Hope y'all had a great fourth. Did y'all have a good fourth? Yeah, if it was in Virginia, it was wet, right? Yeah, didn't quite, maybe the fireworks shows didn't quite work out. You know, I, I, I know we've got some real uh, lovers of summer in here. I'm not in that group. So once we hit July 5th, we're just biding time for me. I just, it's just get to fall. We're just surviving now after the, after the 4th is over. But, you know, one of the things I'm really excited about this summer is kind of what we're doing here at the Heights in, in really every single one of us taking a step forward and fulfilling the vision of this church. You know, our, our vision is that in the next 10 years, the Heights Baptist will be a church that the 804 cannot imagine being without by expanding to five campuses and by extending the reach of Love 804. We'll take that last phrase, extending the reach. You know, our greatest reach around the 804 is when you and I pull into our driveway this afternoon. I mean, when we're just at home. And so we've taken our 10-year vision and kind of put a one-year goal on it that every one of us takes personal that vision. And we be the church on our street we be that place for friendship, for encouragement, for counsel, for prayer. I, you know, I start listing all these words. I imagine some of us think, I, I, I don't know if my home can be all that. You know, actually, way your home can be all that is to start with some really small things. And, and so we handed out something at the beginning of the summer called hashtag start next door. And uh, you just have some different goals. Like in, in June, our goal was to serve our neighbor. We talked about washing cars and mowing yards and just doing things where we could serve our neighbor. In July, the goal is to connect with your neighbor. Go, go on a walk with them. Uh, talk with them while they're walking the dog. Send a card. Maybe hand, hand out cookies. Could, could anybody take cookies to a neighbor? Any, anybody do that? No, right here you would? You, is that, that's kind of a half-hearted wave. But Bonnie, I've, I think I've got somebody here. It, Bonnie is bringing, and I'm, I'm assuming Pastor Ham's handing out cookies out there at Midlothian. How many, back up two rows, right there. Now wave your hand like you mean it this time. There we go. You're going to hand out, how many cookies are on that tray? 80? 60? I'd feel a little weird if my neighbor brought me 60 cookies, to be honest with you, Bonnie. I was like, well, maybe, maybe you could have a few yourself or maybe break up around several neighbors, huh? Okay, but we, we want to help, so we've gotten you all started. Where's one street getting cookies this week? But, folks, it's just little things like this where we begin relationships and we can actually be the church on our street. So uh, you can go out there and get one of these if you want to get some ideas uh, of how to reach out to your neighbors. But let's try to connect in the month of July relationally with our, our neighbors. All right, let's get started this morning here. Turn with me in your Bible uh, to Revelation, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation is one of those easy books to find, it's at the end. Go to the maps. And start backing up. <laughs> Go to maps. Maybe you've got an index or some notes there, but you should get to the end. Revelation chapter 20. And I want to begin reading in verse 11. Revelation 20, beginning in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. 
Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Well, that sounds ominous, doesn't it? Kind of ominous, kind of scary. You, you read that, it doesn't sound like something fun's happening there. I mean, the, the scripture actually said that, that earth and sky tried to flee from this moment, tried to flee from this present. I have no idea what that looks like or means. But it sounds like they didn't want to be there. And that leaves me asking, should leave you asking, boy, what kind of chance do I have at that moment? The passage just said the books will be thrown open and our actions will be judged. Our actions, our inactions. Jesus says in another place that every word, can you imagine that? You are, I am going to have to answer for, we're going to have to justify every single word. You know we can't do that, right? You can't do that. I can't do that. What, what kind of chance do I have In this moment. And yet folks it is reading about that moment. That gives me such great excitement. And gives me such great. Listen to this. Hope. I have such hope in that. Not hope like. I sure hope it's going to go okay. I sure hope I catch God in a good mood. No no my, my hope is very certain. My hope is very secure. And sure. Do you have that kind of hope? Are you confident about what the day of judgment will mean in your life? We're turning today to the, to the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah. And we are going to hear these prophets hold out for us salvation. Hold out for us hope. Even in the midst of an awesome, terrifying, coming judgment. And yes, I, I did say we're going to study Isaiah and Jeremiah today. I almost chuckle at myself saying that. That's impossible. I don't know that we could really do justice to study either one of these books alone in one message, much less both of them together. Isaiah and Jeremiah are two of the largest books in the Bible. There's a bit, lot of prophecies, a, a lot of message, a lot to unfold in these. And we're going to do it in one message. That's just craziness right there. Let, listen, hey, if you're new to our church or maybe first time here, the reason we're doing that is we are going through the entire Bible in 2019 in 42 messages. 42 messages messages here from the pulpit, 42 messages being studied in our life groups. And of course, we're encouraging everybody, the individual, to read their Bible on their own, work through every single page of it. Of course, we're halfway through the year now, right? Halfway through, I imagine there's some that never quite got started or got started and things kind of fell apart. I mean, you can't keep encouraging read the Bible through the year when it's July, can you? Well, of course you can. Read till next July 4th. Get started, man. Let's all work through our Bible. So we're doing that this year, and and we're getting the big picture. You know, we're flying over at 30,000 feet. We're we're getting to see the whole forest. And there's, there's a lot to be gained from that. Of course, the disadvantage is when you're seeing the whole forest, you're not seeing the 
the trees, right? You're not, you're not seeing the specifics. Well, that's kind of where we are today. We're looking at a massive hunk of forest with Isaiah and Jeremiah and not so much seeing the details. The way the curriculum does it is it looks at a key chapter in each one, Isaiah 53 and Jeremiah 31. And I'm going to boil it down even more from that and just get to a key verse out, out of these big books. But I really do want to encourage you, read Isaiah 53, read Jeremiah 31. Reading both of those this week will take you, I don't know, three, four, maybe five minutes. Uh, and just, man, ask the Lord, God, speak to me. Open up my heart, my mind to what you have in these chapters for me. They're awesome. And I think you'll find some real encouragement in that. So read Isaiah 53, Jeremiah 31. Now, before I get to the kind of the key verse I want to see, I want to give you just a little bit of a, a little bit of an overview of what we have with Isaiah, what we have with Jeremiah. Isaiah is kind of interesting. Isaiah has 66 chapters like the Bible. The Bible has 66 books, 66 books in the Bible. The first 39 are what we call the Old Testament, and the next 27 are what we call the New Testament. Well, when you look at the 66 chapters of Isaiah, there is a clear kind of, I guess I would say part one and part two. Part one is, guess how many chapters? 39. And, and those 39 chapters have very much of kind of a, an Old Testament feel. There's a real emphasis, a real focus on the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the justice of God, and that justice brings judgment. Justice, which we all want, always brings judgment. And, and then the part two of Isaiah doesn't forsake the, the righteousness, holiness, justice of God, but it brings in, kind of like the New Testament, an emphasis on the compassion of God and the grace of God. I, 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 Isaiah is, is going to show us a Savior, a Savior, a, a Savior that's going to wear a crown. But before that Savior wears a crown, he's going to suffer. He's going to suffer for you and, and for me. Probably the greatest picture of that is in Isaiah 53, which I just referred to. Isaiah 53 may be one of the clearest prophecies in all of Scripture. Very, very detailed about what is going to happen at the cross and why that is going to happen. As a matter of fact, I would put two passages in that category. Isaiah 53... And Psalm uh, uh, 22. Psalm 22, written some 900 years before Jesus would hang on the cross. Isaiah 53, over 700 years before Jesus would hang on the cross. Both of these passages, written hundreds of years before crucifixion even existed. And yet, when you read some of the details in these passages, you would think Isaiah, you would think David was standing there at the cross taking notes. It is, it is almost frightening how detailed and how accurate that it is. It's, it, those are two chapters for me that are just more evidence and proof of how special what you and I hold in our hands and what we call the Bible. This is not a book like every other book. It's not just a holy book. It is the, it is the Word of God from Him to you and me. Oh, I encourage you again, read Isaiah 53. A theme in Isaiah is going to be salvation. 
There's this coming judgment, but in that judgment, there is salvation. 26 times we're going to see that word, that, that salvation is of the Lord. It's from Him. It's not from me. It's not from you. It's not from somebody we know. Salvation is from the Lord. Isaiah is the most quoted book in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, 21 times the New Testament is going to refer to the person Isaiah, 85 times it's going to quote Isaiah. Did you hear that? 85 times the New Testament is going to quote something out of Isaiah. And here's the crazy thing. Over half of those 85 times come from one chapter. Guess which one? Isaiah 53. Come on, folks. I've said it like six times here in the last five minutes. Over 40 quotes in, 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 uh, in the New Testament just from Isaiah 53, 85 from that. Isaiah has a long ministry. I mean, like one of the longest. Uh, his ministry is from 740 B.C. to about 680 B.C. I'll do the math for you. That's about 60 years that he was ministering. And, and he was one of the prophets that actually ministered in both the north and the south. Probably a little bit more in the south. But, but went both to Israel and to, to Judah. So phenomenal, phenomenal ministry. Then there's Jeremiah. Now Jeremiah kind of reminds me of the prophet Hosea. You remember a couple of weeks ago we looked at Hosea. And I said that Hosea was ministering in the final hours of the northern kingdom of of Israel. Well, like that, Jeremiah is ministering in kind of the final hours of the southern kingdom or Judah. And and the, by the final hours, I mean they're about to cease to exist as, as we know it. Uh, they, they are rebelling against God. They're rejecting God. Their sin is becoming worse and worse and worse. And this isn't God just going, oh, I, you know, I've, I've asked you all to stop and you didn't. So here comes judgment. No, for centuries, God pleaded with them. For centuries, God gave them a chance. For centuries, God called them back. And, and they ignore, and they ignore, and they ignore. And so, Jeremiah is bringing this message of, hey, judgment's coming. But God's patient. Man, God's trying to hold out salvation. And for that wonderful message, they beat Jeremiah. They mocked Jeremiah. They imprisoned Jeremiah. Jeremiah is actually going to see one of his prophecies that he gave early in his ministry. And, and like Isaiah, he has a long ministry, almost, almost 50 years. But he has some prophecies he gives early in his ministry that he's going to see fulfilled before he even gets to the end of his ministry. Now, if I'm Jeremiah, I've got a big load of, hey, I told you so coming, Right? I told you guys, hey, look, I, I, I told you the future. I gave you prophecy of the Lord. And look, here it is coming true. I'd be rubbing that in their face because that's just the kind of guy I am. You know what, though? Why we might think that would be natural, Jeremiah didn't get any pleasure out of that at all. As a matter of fact, you know what, you know what Jeremiah is nicknamed in the Scripture? The weeping prophet. He's like God. Scripture says God takes no pleasure in judgment. He, he weeps at the judgment that you and I demand. But that's not his desire. Judgment is not his desire. Blessing is his desire. And, and, and Jeremiah laments. He weeps over seeing Judah 
come to its end, its destruction as, as the nation of Babylon. Remember in the northern kingdom, it was Assyria that came in, defeated them. In the southern kingdom, it's, it's going to be Babylon that comes in and defeats them and, and, and carts them off into exile. You know, Jeremiah, I said his, his ministry lasted a long time. Jeremiah actually was called by God, and this happens in a couple of places in the Bible, was called by God from the womb. Oh, folks, make no mistake that what resides in the womb is a human being known by God. Look what Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you. I love that. Here we are trying to decide, if, is, is it a human at conception? Is it not a human till it comes out? When, when is it? God says, no, 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 no. Before I put you even in the womb, I know your name. You, you have an identity before me before. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Man, folks, if God knows who's in the womb and has a plan for that child in the womb, wouldn't that mean that you and I would want to be as careful as we can with what's in the womb? That we would want to highly value what is in the womb all nine months and even those moments after exiting the womb. Jeremiah is uh, one of the more challenging books to read in that he's kind of all over the place. And what, what do I mean by that? You know, you you got books of the Bible that are written, they're, they're a narrative, they're a story. And so they're kind of moving chronologically. You got day one of the story, day two, day three. Other, other books of the Bible are more thematic or topic. It kind of moves and works through an issue, a question, an issue, a question, and it's kind of moving that way. It, Jeremiah does a little bit of all of that, and he goes back and forth in time. I mean, he's writing about this year, but then we're moving forward in the Scripture, but then he goes back to a story, and sometimes he's teaching on a topic, and then he's back to a story. He's just all over the place, but always with a very clear message of God's love and judgment, because they go together. We separate the two, but they go together, love and judgment. Maybe the, the prophecy that that Jeremiah is going to be most well known for is he prophesies that that exile that they're going to be taken into by Babylon is going to last 70 years. D Daniel, uh, the prophet, refers to Jeremiah, refers to the, to the 70 years that they're going to be in exile. And you know, historically, we can, we can validate that when that was written, that was written before they were defeated, before they were taken into exile. We can validate when they were taken into exile, and we can validate the, the year that Cyrus, the king of Persia, began repatriating, began sending the Jews back to Judah. And guess how long they were in exile. 70 years, folks. Come on, y'all are slow as molasses this morning. Wake up. I know it's hot and humid. 70 years. I'm giving you the hints. 70 years on the button. You know, the Bible's not wrong. It never is. It never is. You know, prophecy, again, is one of the great evidences of, of the truthfulness of, of what we hold in the Scripture. The, the, the evidence that it is the word of God. So Jeremiah is going to hold out to Judah a holy God that will bring judgment. But a patient God that is calling them to repentance. There is a time to repent. 
And, and then that window closes, right? That's kind of like the season that we're in right now. You know, it's, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus ascended into heaven and promised he's coming back. I will say God is in the promise-keeping business. He's never missed yet. So even though it's been a long time, I really would, I'd put my money on God if I were you. The, he is coming back. We, we will stand before God. But there's a season here. Where we can repent. There, there is a season here where we can come to Jesus. There's a, there's a season where we can come to the gospel. We have that opportunity. And do you know what we're coming to? What, what, what is it we're responding to? I, I would say it's the work of God and the heart of God. The, the work of God. The work of God, Isaiah 53, verse 5. I said I was going to boil this huge book down to, to one verse. One verse in Isaiah 53. The work of God. But he, that's Jesus, he was pierced, hands and feet, right? In the side, by the spear. He was pierced for our transgressions. That's what was happening at the cross. He was crushed for our iniquities, our faults, all our failures, the things we should have never done, the things we should have done and didn't do. He was crushed for that. Upon him was the chastisement. Upon him was the retribution. Upon him was the payment that I ran up that brought me peace. Because by myself, I'm not at peace with God. There is a problem between me and God. But by Christ, there can be peace. With His wounds, that relationship is healed. Man, it's not, do, do we really believe there's something I'm going to be or I'm going to do that's going to make that relationship right? That I'm going to be or I'm going I'm to do that is going to bring peace? Gosh, even when I do good, I mess it up shortly thereafter. Man, I run up the debt. Jesus pays the price. That was the father's plan, his good plan. And it was the son's good pleasure to fulfill it. Why? Why that way? Why, why would God do that? You know, that can only be answered by the heart of God. Why is there a work of God? Because of the heart of God. And we see that in Jeremiah 31 verse 3. Look at this folks. What a powerful phrase. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you. You lie. You steal. You cheat. Sometimes you're for me. Sometimes you're not for me. Sometimes you believe in me. Sometimes you don't believe in me. Sometimes you think I'm the greatest thing in life. Sometimes you could care less. But I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued. You know, folks, I look at my life, man, sometimes I'm really, I'm firing on all cylinders. I'm so good. But you know, probably the one constant that continues in my life is sin. I continue in sin. He continues in faithfulness. I continue to fail and fall short. He continues in faithfulness. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Man, folks, there is a day that we will stand before the living God. And my hope on that day 
It, it, it is not the, the case that I'm going to make for myself. My hope on that day is not that I'm going to be able to point to this good work or to that good work. My hope is that God loves. My hope is that God has worked. We will stand before God. You know, I'm under the belief, this might sound crazy when you think about 7 billion people running around on the planet. I'm under the belief that every single person on the planet knows they're going to stand before God. Every single one of us knows that day is coming. We, We fear that day. We deny that day. We ignore that day. But every person has a few still moments in their life. I don't know how many a few is. Maybe it's two or three. Maybe it's a hundred. But in the course of a life, don't you have those few moments where your soul pleads with you to understand that you live forever and today is impacting that? Your soul pleads with you to understand that you're going to stand before God and you're not ready. You're not okay. You're not at peace. Your soul pleads with you to hear that and to understand that. And and it's a scary thought. And, And I think people generally run in two directions under that. One, they run over here to religion. I gotta get a religion. I think that's what God likes. I gotta get a religion that's gonna clean me up and it's gonna give me something to say when I stand before God and it's gonna show what a good person I am. Of course, we've got another part of the world that runs over here to, to secularism, atheism, whatever you wanna call it. Basically, what they do, here's how I deal with my fear of that day. I just deny it exists. I just deny there's a God. I, I deny there's a great reckoning. I, de, I deny there's an, I just deny it. That's how I deal with my fear. Well, good luck with that. I have found ignoring a problem usually really fixes it quick. No, ignoring it's not going to fix anything. But guess what, folks? Neither is religion. See, religion tells me here's what I'm going to do. Here's the boxes I'm going to check. And and here's the good that I'm going to... You know what? On your most religious day, you continue in sin. On on the best day of you checking whatever box the religion told you to check, what'd you do the next day, you sinned? Man, neither one of these is going to work. My only hope standing before God is is not the the stuff I ran around and tried to do or my ignoring. My only hope, my, my confidence is the work of God birthed in the heart of God. My only confidence on that day is what Jesus Christ did for me at the cross. Why would he do it? There is no sense other than that God has loved me with an everlasting love. Just like he's loved you. Do you hear God saying that to you this morning? I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's a message. What is Isaiah and Jeremiah about? It is about a holy, righteous, just God bringing a just judgment. But there's a chance to escape. There's a chance to be saved. How are we to be saved out of the righteous and just judgment that God will bring against this planet? Man, Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from no hope. 
Saved from no future. You know, because of Jesus, I have a future, Jeremiah 31 says. I have a future. Saved from no hope. Saved from no future. Saved from death. I I, I love another way that's translated, taken just like it. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will not be disappointed. The faithful love of God will not fall short. The faithful love of God will not fail you. The faithful love of God will not disappoint anyone. Nobody's going to say, you know, I thought that was going to be more than that. It does not disappoint. Have you called out to the faithful love of God? Have you been saved? Are you in a period where you've just basically been handling that by rejecting that and ignoring it? I'm just going to do what I want to do. I think I've got this figured out. Maybe you're over here running around trying to pick the religion. Trying to get your boxes checked. Don't we know in our heart, no matter what boxes we check, that we know what's going on in our heart? You know, as you sit here nice and pretty and religious and Christian looking today. You know what's in your heart. And you know why I can point at you like that and say it like you ought to know? Because I know what's in mine. And I don't think you're all that much better than me. Have you called on the name of the Lord? That's our hope. That's our confidence. Standing before God. You say, how do I call on the Lord? You know what's done in prayer? I mean, that's what prayer is. Prayer is calling out to the Lord. If you're not confident, if you're not sure, if you're not certain that that has happened in your life, that the work of God that came out of the heart of God has been applied to you, I want to give you a chance right here and right now to call out to the Lord. I'm going to say a prayer. And if, if my prayer is the desire of your heart, then you just let my prayer become your prayer. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know what's in my heart. I know I can't stand before God. I have no hope. But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you went to the cross for me. I believe you rose again. Jesus, I believe you are my hope. I believe you are my future. Would you come into my heart, come into my life, and help me follow you each day to the future you have for me? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Hey, listen, if you just prayed that prayer, here's what I want you to do. I want you to believe God's word. Don't, you don't have to believe me or this church. Believe God's word. You don't have to believe your feelings. Do I, am I different? I don't know. Believe God's word. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you just called on him, then God will fulfill his promise in your life. Now, don't just believe that one word of God. Believe, believe the word of God that calls you now as a new believer to follow Christ in believer's baptism. Believe that word that says now that you've come to Christ, join, be a part of, be engaged with the body of Christ, his church family. 
Hey, listen, if, if you just prayed that prayer, I, I want to give you uh, a, a little booklet here. And he, here's why I want to give you this, because I want you to understand what you just did. I don't want this to become a vague moment in your life at some point where I think I did something back there. I'm not sure. I don't want it just to be an emotional response. I want you to really be able to, to ground yourself in what it meant that you called out to the Lord. And this, this little pamphlet right here, you can see there's not much to it, but it's actually pretty in-depth, helping you understand the decision you've just made and, and then what steps are to follow. It's called Welcome to the Family, Beginning Steps to Help You Grow in Christ. If you just prayed that prayer with me in here right now, and I know Pastor Ham out at Midlothian will direct you where to go at, at that campus, but here, man, when we get done here in a few moments, go through these doors, there's a desk back toward the center, and you'll see some folks standing there. Just go out there and say, hey, I just prayed that prayer. I just began a relationship with Christ, and they'll, they'll give you this book. That, that's all that has to happen. Now, if you have questions, want to talk to them about believers' baptism, about joining a church family, they'll be able to answer those questions for you also. Maybe you didn't just pray with me, but, but you want to talk with somebody. You've got some questions about what that means to begin a relationship with the Lord. They'll be out there for you. I, I, I sure hope you'll go out there and say, hey, I've got a, I've got a few questions about that. Ask them their, those questions. They'd love to be able to talk with you about that. Folks, there's no more significant thing that you do in all of life. As a matter of fact, in all of eternity, then receive the God that has said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Isn't that awesome, church? I have loved you with an everlasting love. I proved it at the cross. I proved it in the resurrection. Church, you're loved. You are loved. Let's live like it this week. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you that your love doesn't quit. Thank you for loving us with an everlasting love. And, and while our sin and failure may continue, so does your faithfulness. Your faithfulness to keep those promises. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me with an everlasting love. I pray this week I would live in, in all situations in all challenges, in all relationships, like somebody who's loved like this. And may I, may we share that love with others. May we be the church on our street. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.